gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name is Joey Weaver. He is Mike McDaniel. Mike, first question: What, what what's going on the D train this year? AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon. AJ Dillon. And you know who we have to preview AJ Dillon and the Boston College Eagles? Who that? Dan Rubin of Eagles Unlimited and BCEagles.com back again, friend of the pod. Dan, what's going on? Hey guys, it's uh it's a pleasure it's a pleasure being back. You know football season started when I get to when I get to spend some time with you guys. Damn, Daniel. Good to have you back, man. Good to have you on. It's been too long. Uh looking forward to talking some Boston College tonight. It's it's been um it's been an interesting offseason, I think, for the Eagles talking about expectations. They they finished last year strong. Um, the the record was kind of what we're used to at seven and six, but you really saw the team flip a switch down the back half of the year. Uh, the discovery of A.J. Dillon was a, a, a massive kind of revelation for the Eagles offense. And, and so as we look into 2018, that's kind of still thought to be a big centerpiece. You know, I think he's considered an ACC player of the year candidate, you know, maybe even a favorite at that point. What, Dan, would you say are reasonable expectations for A.J. Dillon in 2018 Given what he did last year, but you know whether or not that's repeatable, that kind of thing. What should we expect to see off the D train this year? Well, he he is the ACC preseason offensive player of the year, so he is. Uh, it's it's safe to say that the expectations on him and and what would constitute a success are uh, are pretty high. And and I don't necessarily remember the last time that there was. A, I think it was Montel Harris who was a running back who was who was this uh, excited or this excitable. Uh, in the backfield for BC, who I think actually was an ACC preseason player of the year. Do not quote me on that. I probably have that wrong. Um, but that was the last name that I remember coming up close to to where A.J. Dillon's expectations are. You're looking at a guy, 1,600 yards as a freshman. He played in all in 12 games last year. But at the same time, when you're looking at you know the, the way that he came about, uh, it, the season really started for him. I want to say the Louisville game. I know that's the one everybody looks at when he ran for 200 plus yards and 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 sent a, de- a defender I, I, who I, I can never remember the name of, but he he sent him somewhere into the third row with a stiff arm for the for the ages. Uh, so when you have the expectations like that coming in, uh, it's safe to say what would constitute a success for him is uh, to live up to the expectations. And if they do, if he does, if he can if he can plow the road for the offense, then then Boston College is going to be sitting very happy at the end of the year. He's a guy who, in my opinion, Dan, is easily, well, in my opinion, easily the best running back in the ACC. I mean, we've had a lot of good running backs in the conference over the years, and and Boston College has had, they've had good running backs as well. It's been a while since they've had somebody like A.J. Dillon walk through that door. Yeah, I, I think the last name that that you'd have to go back to is Andre Williams, who who was really just a one year guy. I, I want to say that I, I, with never any disrespect intended to what he accomplished as a Heisman Trophy finalist. The fact that he ran for you know set records with rushing yards and was a two thousand yard rusher. Um, Andre Andre was was incredible. It, it was one of those guys that you just had to be there to watch to to appreciate what he was accomplishing. And it's kind of the same way with A.J. Dillon, but the difference is that Andre Williams broke out as a senior in his last year, and and A.J. Dillon did it as a true freshman. You're looking at a guy 245 pounds with breakaway speed. I mean, uh, when you see the guy working out and you see the guy running, his legs are like tree trunks, and and he can take a hit, plow through it, keep those legs churning. He's virtually impossible to tackle up high with his strength and down low with his size, and 
He when he when he hits the open field and he hits that extra turbo, he's gone. And he had two ton, two hundred yard up, um, performances last year. He came within ten yards of a third. Uh, he's the type of guy. At, and this was all as a true freshman. Uh, so you're looking at a sophomore year. He he's got to stay at least one more year after this. And and he is probably could go down as as one of the best, if not the best, in ACC history. And I, and I realize I say that drinking the drinking the proverbial Kool-Aid, but at the same time, I don't necessarily think that I might be that far off when you're trying to project a guy who, as a sophomore, already has a couple 200-yard performances in a 1,600-yard season. What are they going to get out of quarterback? That's the real question because they've had issues at quarterback since Matt Ryan left. I mean, let's call it what it is. Is it the Anthony Brown shows? Is it somebody else? Like, who's playing quarterback for this team, and will they get literally anything out of the passing game, Dan, because – Scott Leffler is the offensive coordinator. They can run the ball all day long, but Leffler loves throwing the football. Yeah, and and you know what? Anthony Brown was having a good season last year, and then it derailed against NC State. He uh, he he is he, he injured his knee, lost the rest of the season. Darius Wade took over, and 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 it was you know Wade serviced the offense. They, they he did what he could to win those games down the stretch, and he and he ran the offense, but. Anthony Brown is going to be the starting quarterback and could be a very good starting quarterback for a very long time for BC. He was a true freshman last year, the first true freshman to start at BC. I, I God knows how long. Um, threw for 200 yards against Notre Dame, lit up Virginia. Threw for 275 yards. I, I actually pulled it up. Three touchdowns. Ran for separate 30 yards against Virginia Tech. Threw for 160 yards. Ran for 50 yards. He's a dual threat quarterback, and it's something that BC has not had. Now, coming back from injury, he's going to be at full speed. Uh, Coach Adazio, Steve Adazio has been saying he's at full speed. And now you're factoring in the fact that when you have A.J. Dillon in the backfield and you know that he's going to get those touches, you're looking at Anthony Brown opening up the passing game with the receivers through the tight end, being able to make plays with his feet. And, it, you know, Boston College does has had problems at quarterback in the past, but this is arguably the, the, the most loaded that their position has been in a very long time, starting with Brown. And then behind him, you've got, you know, four other quarterbacks in there who are, who are more than capable. E.J. Perry, uh, they, they burned his red shirt last year when, after Brown was hurt. Um, he's a, a highly touted Massachusetts recruit, which I know from a star's perspective kind of puts him off the board, but he was one of the best quarterbacks locally uh, with a pedigree and he's got a cannon for an arm. And then you've got a couple of incoming freshmen who, you know, with the new red shirt rules, maybe they get to see some action and maybe they, they show what they got on the, uh, on the field because some of these guys coming in uh, Johnny Vilecki, I think is one of the names and I I can't remember the other name, uh, but these are two guys who they, who they brought in who could be very good as well. So you're young, but you're also talented and raw at that position. I think that's going to be a welcome surprise for a lot of people who, who have expected BC to struggle in that regard. Dan, I'm sure you've seen this meme, um, but the entire uh, the entire complexion of the Boston College season will change based on what they get out of the quarterback position. Change my opinion. Um, I mean, I think that the offense is, is kind of synergetic. Um, and, and to correct myself, it's Matt Vilecki who's the quarterback, not Johnny Vilecki. I think that's I mixed him up with Johnny Gulecki, the actor from from Big Bang Theory. I was watching way too much TV before I jumped on with you guys. That was close, uh, but I was close. I was I was in the ballpark. Um, this is a team that will uh, that will be 
very synergetic, which is that the run the run is obviously the focal point. They've always been a power offense. They always should remain a power offense. It's kind of their identity. And you obviously you also don't want to start throwing the ball, you know, 45, 50 times like a West Coast or or, or a spread option offense that you get in Oregon or a Baylor because or, or because you or Big 12, I should, it, not just Baylor, the entire Big 12, because your your bread and butter is clock control power running and you have one of the best running backs in college football to do it with you should use that you should utilize that as much as possible but you also need to get stuff out of your passing game and i think they got some of it last year we got just a little taste we got an appetizer of what bc is capable of with wide receivers like kobe white tight ends tommy sweeney multiple different looks out of a quarterback like anthony brown I think you're going to be able to get that synergy out of running to set up the pass and occasionally passing to set up the run. And that's what's going to be different uh, for people who maybe still don't believe that Boston College last year had all three facets on offense with receivers, quarterbacks and running backs. Synergy. I love that word, although I, I don't know that I can imagine Steve Adazio ever actually using that word. So for what that's worth, but all right, Dan, flip to the other side of the ball. The the defense last year under for uh, for Boston College under Jim Reed, I think, for, from my opinion, it was better than I was expecting. Um, they, they took a little bit of a, a, a drop-off after Don Brown left a couple years ago to go to Michigan. Um, and, and Jim Reed has started to build this thing back. Should what what's the direction that this thing is trending going into 2018? Let's go that. Is it an up arrow? About a, a you know even? Is it going down? What are we looking at in 2018 relative to last year from the defense? Um, I'd actually put this put the arrow. I I don't know that I trend it up or down. I think I trend it kind of sideways it, because it, and and I'll go back a, a couple of years to that year where they uh, they were beaten up pretty badly by some offenses uh, similar to you know that game against Louisville at home when when Lamar Jackson was running all over the was running all over the field and they just couldn't stop him um, when you go back to the way things worked on that defense it was still the same defensive scheme but they were kind of in transition um, in terms of defensive personnel and you started to see the emergence of guys like Harold Landry on that defense You'd lost a couple of defensive backs, and you were starting to see the emergence of guys like Ike Yadam and Cam Moore, and you needed to kind of take the next step with them. And there were times when they looked great. There were times when they looked fantastic, but then there were also times when they were exposed just because of inexperience, and they were facing athletes that were just more athletic and, and exposing them at that point. So they came in last year, and they had a lot of the same personnel from that 2016 season and built on top of that. Now, Landry missed a lot of time um, with an injury, still winds up being a first-round pick, but, uh, you know, he or, uh, you know, high-round pick, I, I think he was a second-round pick, um, to the Titans, and, and he still was a superstar, but he just wasn't on the field because he, had, he was dealing with the injury. So you're looking at a rebuilt kind of transition defense to guys like Cam Moore and Ike Yadam taking the next step defensive backfield guys like Zach Allen on the defensive line playing out of their mind um, and playing very well Wyatt race Ray Smith guys who are who were were just playing well on the defensive line and a linebacking core that had returned pieces like Connor Strahan and and people who were ready to to kind of be the complete package as the season went on 
those linebackers, first of all, got gutted by injury. So you had guys like John Lamott step in. Um, you had guys just who were inexperienced or young guys become starters just out of necessity. Kevin Bletzer was another name. Davon Jones converted from running back to linebacker on the fly and wound up playing in a bunch of games and making, I think, a, a dozen or two dozen tackles on the year. So you had these guys who got trial, who were ready to go and then were also trialed by fire and having success last year. So where does that lead to 2018? The line is constant because now you have these guys who were struggled in 2016, played very well in 2017, and are augmented by guys who played very well on the fly in 2017 to a unit in 2018 that has some real potential there. Now, how that translates to success is up to the scheme, um, which has largely been the same, but at the same time, you've still got to execute, and they're dealing with a lot of great offenses in the ACC. You're not getting a week off against anybody in this conference. We need one new name to know on that defense. Who is it? Well, if you haven't heard of Zach Allen, that's going to be the name that you're going to want to know. He had 91 tackles last year and 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 made a, and, and filled in. I don't want to say made people forget about Landry, but he filled in very well on the defensive line. My guy, though, safety, Lucas Dennis. I've been following this guy since high school. He's an Everett High, Massachusetts guy. I I grew up the next city over from, from Everett. Uh, I follow high school football up here. I love high school football. I love, you know, Friday nights, checking all the scores and, and seeing what happened for Saturday. I love seeing local guys go to the local school and do well. And Lucas Dennis has been a guy who I've been following for four to five years. And he is going to start at safety with Will Harris in what we're kind of terming the no-fly zone defense. Um, he could be incredible as a as a safety. And and I he had, you know, he's capable of getting the ball. I think he had a half dozen interceptions last year. 70 something tackles. He he has that attitude and that swagger. And uh, for me personally, to see him succeed uh, from where he was in high school, too, uh, would just be would be the icing on the cake for me as a Massachusetts and a Boston guy. Love to see the local kids do good. <laughs> I got the hat. I mean, what you, else you're you gonna do? from Boston. I think I believe you, Dan. I, you have about. <laughs> You have the iconic Boston accent, we'll say. If I if I try to like come up with something, you know, to try to impress my friends, you're you're the guy I'm trying to imitate. <laughs> you know, i i had a I had a friend's wedding um, where a, where his his wife is from Oklahoma and is a is a diehard OU everything OU Sooners. Like they they she had a custom made OU Sooners jersey for the rehearsal. Like it was it was fantastic. And talking to her bridesmaids and her friends who are from Oklahoma and Texas afterwards, they're like, he sounds just like he's from the departed. And they're like, yeah, we, we know which one you're, you're talking about. That's, that's Dan. <laughs> that one. Uh, there that you one. Go. Yeah, we, we know who you're talking about. Dan, you've given us a bunch of names on the offense as well. Who's someone that people might not have heard of that, that they're going to be hearing about this year for Boston College? Um, I, I'll lean to John Lamont and, and guys like him on the linebacking, John Lamont, Ray Smith, who's, who's a nose tackle, an old fashioned defensive tackle, a guy who, who maybe doesn't get the sack numbers, but is going to clog a lot at the defensive line. Noah Merritt, another, de another defensive lineman, um, is a name that, that rings a bell. I, I can't remember what year he is. I think he graduated. So scratch that he graduated. I was had to check. I had to double check that. So. Really came, really, really messed myself up on that one. But Ray Smith is a guy who I really like. Um, 
John Lamont was one of those defense was one of those linebackers I was talking about that when guys got injured and went down, guys like Connor Strahan went down hurt. Lamont was called upon, I think, against Clemson um, to come in and play right away. And actually, let me pull it up. The Cle- so before the Clemson game, he had made seven assist. He had made no tackles. He played against Wake Forest and Notre Dame and did not make a tackle. He made seven tackles against Clemson. Made ten tackles, seven assisted. I should say seven assisted against Central Michigan. Had six tackles against Louisville. Sacked a couple for losses. Had a couple sacks against Florida State and NC State. And really came along as the year went on. Uh, and as I mentioned, another name is uh, is Davon Jones, who started the year as a running back and then was forced to convert to a linebacker as part of the, the attrition and wound up with six tackles against Syracuse and nine tackles or, or helped out on nine tackles against Iowa in the bowl game. So those are two names that if they're on the field, uh, those are going to be exciting guys, great athletic guys who come in and, and make a difference. And on the offense? Offense, the, you know, you've I mentioned the name Kobe White. Um, and and it's going to be a little bit different for me to say he's a top flight wide receiver um, on the Boston College, uh, on the Boston College uh, uh, offense. And he, and he is. Uh, last year at one point, BC was one of the, was I think the only team that had its team leaders be passing, rushing, receiving all true freshmen. And Kobe, um, or all freshmen, Kobe was, a, I believe, a redshirt freshman last year. Um, but he's a type of guy, early on in the year, he had four catches against Wake, four catches against Wake Forest, um, kind of got marked up a little bit against, uh, against Clemson. They held him to 11 yards. But you go back to that Virginia game when Anthony Brown broke out, and a large part was because Kobe White had 85 yards and a touchdown, and then followed it up with 50 yards and a touchdown against Florida State. So... He's going to be a name. He's got breakaway speed, taught, can take the top off of defense. We've not seen that at Boston College, I think, forever. Normally, the, the wide receivers, I, I can't remember the last one that was that would go downfield, uh, except Jeff Smith had the capability of it, but was not was an athlete and started a quarterback. He was a converted to a wide receiver. But Kobe White is, uh, is, is a name that, that I think is if he's out on the field, He's synced up with uh, with Anthony Brown, and they're rocking and rolling. It's going to be really fun to watch. Dan, let's look at the schedule a little bit. You so first of all, we'll start this by saying that due to your employment with uh, the Boston College Athletics Department in some form or fashion, you, you're not allowed to, uh, or, or it kind of limits what you're able to say. Let's put it that way. Um, that said, I do want to look at the schedule, and, and Mike and I are going to kind of toss around a couple of games and maybe try to take the temperature of where we stand on these. So what we've been doing, talking about games that are surefire wins, surefire losses, and then kind of the rest of them that are toss-ups. Um, and so if I look at this schedule and I say surefire wins, I'm going UMass, Holy Cross, Temple, and I might say Syracuse. You know what? We're on the Boston College podcast. I'm going to call it Syracuse. Ooh, end of Four. the year, things get wonky. Yeah, home game, home game for what that's yes, worth. Home game, yes. Um, I'm going to say f- those four are surefire wins, it, unless you know something absolutely goes to hell. Is that Mike? Are you in for that? Uh, uh yeah, yeah, I'm in for it. Okay, that took sure a lot. Convi- it took a lot of convincing there. <laughs> well, uh, I drive a hard bargain. Yeah, you do. Uh, yeah, we can go with those those four. Um, 
yeah, let's go with those four. I'll stick with the Syracuse one. I'm more on the fence on that, but you know, whatever. We'll stick with those four. Dan, are those are we on the right track here? Are we are we good to call those surefire wins? Well, I'll, I'll put it I'll put it to you this way. I've um and I have long said this um, when it comes to to predicting a record is is to take every and and I said this I said this going back 10, 15 years of of football in any regard that it's it's a, a series of what is 12 game season, 12 one week seasons. And so I think that, uh, you know, to look at any game and and I always preface this and this is this is just my own personal opinion that any game any week is is a toss up if you if you don't come ready to play. Um, but I think given the expectations and given the fact that people are talking about Boston College, that Boston College is is selected to kind of be one of those teams to make a run at the top of the conference and to to make a run, you know, that they're gaining votes in the preseason coaches poll, which is which I which ha- hasn't happened in recent memory. Um, I think it's it's fair to look at, at games, especially against a group of five opponents and say, you know, Boston College can come out and on on paper when you're looking on paper before the season and say, hey, they can they can go out and beat some of these teams. I think it's fair. Um, but then I also kind of throw in that it's always a series of one week seasons and yada, yada, yada. So I think that's fair. Coach speak at its finest. Yes. That's not coach speak. That's really how I feel. That's been like, I've been saying that for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I have. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mike, where are the uh, surefire losses here? Surefire losses. Well, well, they get Miami at home. Um, they'd get Clemson at home at Florida state tough game at Virginia tech. It's a tough game. Better chance that Boston college wins at home against Clemson or on the road at Florida state. Ooh. See people see people who are just like, Average college football fans, they look at it, they're like, oh, Florida State. Florida State's not as good as Clemson. You get Clemson at home. Stuff gets weird in Chestnut Hill. Mm-hmm. No, I will point uh, out that you get Florida State right after you get Clemson. Yeah, I'm. I which is that's playing into my decision as well. Um, I actually think they have a better chance of beating Clemson at home than they do going on the road to Florida State. One, because of the scheduling, like you just mentioned. Two, because they do get Clemson at home. And I've seen some weird stuff happen when they play it. Yeah. Good teams go to BC and weird stuff happens. I agree with that. I, I think that there's some sliver of chance. I'm going to call Florida State a surefire loss. I don't, you're, you're not winning that. It doesn't matter what happens against Clemson. You ain't winning that game going on the road to Tallahassee the following week. I think that's, that's a loss for me. Um, and I think that's the only one on the schedule, honestly. I mean, we, we've got four surefire wins. We've got a surefire loss. And then we're looking at seven toss-ups here. Dan, that sounds that's... like a, It sounds like a BC season to me. <laughs> I, hey. When you know the... what? It sounds like the ACC right now. I think that's the uh, – <laughs> I, I think that sounds like the overall – I actually wrote a uh, wrote a post after the, the ACC kickoff, and I said that the, the league sure feels wide open, though, doesn't it? Like, it, it – isn't it, it? I mean, and I guess uh, John Swafford has to love the fact that it's wide open as it is because every week, I mean, look at look at what you got when you look down there. I can come up with, I can come up with last year. You look at last year, and I, I know I've said this a, a, a zillion times. 
I can come up with last year's schedule and, and pinpoint to probably 15 plays, does the 15 plays that are the difference between a seven and five regular season, seven and six in the bowl game and a nine or 10 win season. And, and I go back to when you dragged Clemson into the fourth quarter and then you suffer an injury in the linebacking core. And then all of a sudden you're, you lose the game 34, seven, you give up 20 something points in the last, I think two and a half minutes because your defense was just, was, was done. I mean, you, you, you lost, you were thin paper thin, you give up the wrong injury. And next thing you know, they're running up and down the field on you. They lose to, to NC state by three lost to Virginia tech in a game. I think they probably should have won. Um, and, and even, and then on the flip side, you've got the Louisville game, which if Louisville comes up with one stop in that game, you, or you give up the, or you don't come up with a one stop, you you're losing that game. So I think if you look back, Wake Forest, you're starting a new, a new center. If you don't have to start a new center on the very first game, you're not having one of those turnovers at the beginning of the game. And you're maybe winning that game. So it's it goes both ways where I where I look at some of these games and I say, well, you could take seven plays off the board, you win or lose. And I think it goes the other way, too. So I think when you look at the toss up and you say, well, seven of these games are toss ups. I I think that's that kind of goes back to what I was saying. Everything in this season in the ACC is wide open. Steve Adazio last week at the opening of the, the Fish Fieldhouse, which is the new indoor practice facility on, on campus at Boston College, said, we finished behind six or seven teams, finished behind or tied six or seven teams in our conference record, and we play them all. So Boston College is going to play NC State, Clemson, Miami, Virginia Tech, all of these teams, Wake Forest, Louisville, six teams that they were tied with, with a four and four record, and Florida State right behind them, who you have to assume is going to be back. That's seven games. There's the difference between going to a bowl game and going to potentially a, one of the New Year's Six games. This is where I would normally point out that Georgia Tech was like four plays away from winning the Coastal Division, and they didn't go to a bowl game. But I won't. I won't mention that on a Boston College podcast. How about that? <laughs> and and for the record, when they say weird things happen in Boston, I will 100% agree. But I know Mike's a Virginia Tech guy, and if we're talking about the best quarterback situation in 10 years, weird stuff happens when BC goes to Lane Stadium, too. Mm-hmm. Sorry, Mike. Yeah. I know, you're, I know you're a Patriots and Red Sox guy like me, so I'm, I'm sorry that I had to bring that up for you. Yeah, it's, it's okay. I, it's all right. It's peak depression. Um, so do we want to do record predictions, Joey, you and I, and – you know, Dan Dan can abstain because he has to. I know he'd love to give a record prediction, but he can't do it. So Joey and I can do it though. Well, I don't I don't I, I've never I've never been told that I can't. I just never thought that it would be uh you know, I, I, I would never want to look at a at a team that I I would never do this even if I wasn't writing for the athletics website. And and obviously I love doing it and it's not something that if I could I would. I'm I'm sure I could. I personally, like I said, it's not it's not coach speak. It's just I I never believed in saying, all right, we're going to call a record and say they're going to win nine games. I think if you go back to last year's podcast with you guys, I, I would say the word. I think I said the exact same thing, which is I don't necessarily because you can go four and eight and feel like you were better than a four and eight when you look at a Pythagorean win loss or something like that. And you could go nine and three and still feel like, well, we probably should have lost two of those games. Yeah. I so I'm looking at this Dan and there's a there's a key four game stretch here that to me is going to determine how this whole thing turns out. 
Um, for what it's worth, I'm calling losses to Clemson and Florida State. Uh, I will call, you know, there's there's some wins. But the four-game stretch that I think kind of decides this whole thing, October 6th at NC State, October 13th at home against Louisville, October 26th at home against Miami. That's a Friday night at home off a of bye week. Uh, and then November 3rd on the road at Virginia Tech. I think if Boston College goes 2-2 two and two in that stretch, I think that's pretty reasonable. And, and I, so I think they're going to go eight and four. I've got Boston College at eight and four, and I think that's probably good for third in the coastal. Well, actually, third in the Atlantic. Atlantic, yeah, probably probably good for like second in the coastal, if we're being honest. Probably but. good for second in the coastal, yeah. Uh, third <laughs> yeah. in the Atlantic, though, and I also have them eight and four. I hate to make this a boring podcast, but you just hit the nail on the head. Um, you know what? Screw you, Mike. I'm going to go nine and three. Nine and three. Okay, that's bold. I'm sticking with eight and four. <laughs> Very, that's bold. I, I like you changing things up. I'm going with eight and four. Uh, BC is easily, I wouldn't say easily, but, but in my opinion, they're the third best team in the Atlantic. Uh, I think they're better than NC State, who everybody seems to be talking about instead of them. Um, that I think that they can definitely compete with Florida State, even though it's a tough schedule draw and they have to go to Tallahassee to play that game. Um, you get Clemson and Miami at home, I think that matters. Um, so I'm going to go with eight and four. Uh, I think they're perfectly capable of winning in Blacksburg, by the way. I do think they'll actually, they actually will win in Blacksburg. Um, that's, we'll save that for Virginia tech portion of the podcast as well, Joey. Um, I think that's going to be one of Virginia tech's four losses this season. Um, but I, I think Boston college, it's, it's perfectly reasonable to see them going eight and four. Dan, if this team goes eight and four, how are the, how are the fans going to feel about that? I think pretty good. I think they're, um, you know, I, I, I think there's an energy and a rejuvenation to the fan base right now that, that comes honestly from the top up, from the top down. I think it goes, it speaks to, to the projection and the trajection of the, of the program when you have the, the new practice facility that's opening and, and the, the schedule that's the, you know, the, the way that last year season ended with the way the schedule went and the fact that BC did get into a bowl game that they coveted. Um, I think that there's a lot of excitement and unless, you know, something weird happens throughout the course of the year, um, this team has some really good potential. And I think the secret's out. And I think a lot of people are going to be very excited um, with the way this season turns out. And I think at the end of the year record, you know, record predictions. And, and I think those are fine to have. But I think these pe- I think people who follow this team, maybe people who don't follow this team are going to be very happy come the end of this year. There you have it. Going to be a good year for Boston College then. Dan, uh, tell them where they can find you. Plug your work a little bit. Um, so, like these guys have have, have mentioned, uh, it's the the Boston College Athletics website, uh, bceagles.com. Um, I'm their feature writer uh, that I do a lot of feature work for them during football season and also uh, other sports. And And I know I, I've mentioned this before uh, when I plug it that they are, uh, you know, everybody likes to tune in for the, uh, for some, it's like come for the football and, and stay for the dessert. Um, so obviously we're talking football, but if you, if you go and check it out uh, under Eagles unlimited under bceagles.com, it's listed as one of the teams down there. You'll see a whole bunch of articles, uh, you know, that, that are by myself and, and another feature writer, Craig 40 that we have. Um, they, we, there are some really great student athletes at the school and some really great stories that, uh, keep us coming back, and, and some of them with some of the service work that they do on and off the field is uh, is incredible. 
and we've we've been lucky enough to and, and I, I know I'm speaking for Craig when I say this, but uh, we've been lucky enough to to work with some of these kids and and they the work that they do, the work that Martin Jarman, the athletic director does, um, encompasses the a greater mission than just what happens on the field. and and I think that is a uh, that is something that I think a lot of people can get behind and go check out some of the stuff and and uh, you know, see for yourself. But it, uh, it, the some of the it's it's really great work that they do there. Those student athletes and the coaches and uh, and uh, you know, I'm I'm privileged to be a part of it. Dan Rubin, you're the man. Thank you for coming yeah. on with us, sir. This is this has been a great preview of the Boston College season. Please come back soon. You're welcome anytime. Thanks, Jay. Hey, love you guys. Appreciate it, Bob. Mike, we got to get out of here. We got more teams. We're going to preview. Uh, in the meantime, while we're out, y'all can find us on Twitter. I am at FTRS Joey. He is at Mike McDaniel CFB. And together we're at BC Podcast ACC. And by the way, he is Dan Rubin12, at Dan Rubin12 on Twitter. Go find him and follow him. He's a great follow. Uh, y'all can send us an email to the longest email address known to man, basketballconferencepodcast at gmail.com. Nailed it. Yes, sir. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, the Overcast app, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And uh, Mike, tell them where they can find us on the social medias. Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find all of our podcasts there. Rate us on iTunes too. I tweeted out a link. Um, by the time you guys listen to it, hopefully you would have seen it um, on our social media account. I tweeted out a link to, of course, review us on iTunes. Rate review us there as well. It would be a big help. Yeah, yeah, do that, do that. And also you can go find us on YouTube if you so choose. You can see uh, the fine shirt and hat that Dan Rubin ch changed into uh, just for this podcast. So you can go do that. You can see, you know, whatever. You can see the uh, the, the specs that Mike has on tonight. That's a new one. I'm, I'm the only one with no, no glasses on. That's a new thing. Uh, anyways, go find all that on YouTube and Facebook and all those good places. Uh, Mike, you want to come back and preview some more teams? I do. Let's get it done. Let's get it done. Uh, all right. Well, for Mr. Mike McDaniel and Mr. Dan Rubin, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again soon. And until then, go ACC. Yeah.